as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. Morning news on 710 KURV. Top newsmakers. Here's Sergio Sanchez. Time to fire up another legislative session up in Austin. And for working people, and you guys that watch politics only from a distance, we have our legislative session every two years. One of our state representatives, Terry Canales. Terry Canales. Terry Canales from Edinburgh joining us right now. Okay, T, so on your priorities list, for this legislative session, I know you're an expert in transportation issues. Have been for several years in committee. So, what are your some of your some of your priorities, Terry? Well, aside from good, thanks for having me. Good yes, morning. Sir. So, aside from have, uh, having huge transportation issues in the Rio Grande Valley, we also have what I believe is a water crisis. Um, you know, in the last several years, uh, especially in Edinburgh and in the surrounding areas, we've been 45, 50 days out from not having water. And so, after investigating that. Um, you know, talking to the water experts in our area, we depend on extreme weather events, which is code for luck, um, <laughs> to supply our communities with water. So as it gets hotter and our population explodes in the Rio Grande Valley, which has exponential growth, uh, we need to have water security. <laughs> and so making sure that we've got funding and that we've got a plan for the future of, of our region, and, and not only just South Texas, but all of Texas. And so that's a huge priority. Um, absolutely, transportation is a big deal, and making sure uh, people get to and from work and not spend a lifetime in traffic, and so making sure that our uh, we get the appropriate amount of funding is a big deal for us. You have um, to look at this. Make, yeah, you have to look at this from a state level, though, Terry. And I'm, you, know, you mentioned water, and yeah, we, it was a real scary situation when the Valley Reservoir was real low. But looking at it from a state level, I, you know, I keep hearing all these headlines from. Like Central Texas, San Antonio, Edwards Aquifer, all those things like that. And, and Texas, we're growing by leaps and bounds. All the it's like everybody's moving to Texas. Now we're gonna have a lot more demand for water. Any initial thoughts on some of the solutions that maybe you've heard either for the valley or other big areas of Texas as far as water? So so the Rio Grande Valley is fortunate in that it sits on an ocean of brackish water, which is uh, lightly salted water. And so desalination is a um, a big a big um, I guess alternative to yeah. the current way that we do things. And so uh, I believe that that's a, that's one of the easier ones. And people think desal of you know taking ocean water. That's not what we're talking about. That's too expensive. But we sit on an ocean of water that we could use if we had the funding to create the desal. And we're already doing desal in different areas of the Rio Grande Valley. We just need to expand it because it's the the supply is unlimited. You were mentioning transportation, and you've been chair of transportation issues for a couple of sessions already. I was reminded how awful that I-35 quarter is between San Antonio and Austin. They've got that loop around it that, of course, you pay. It's a toll road. And I enjoy it. I mean, I'm 
chugging along 80, 85 miles per hour, you know, using that extra five miles per hour. But very few people use that, T. For some reason, people just sit and wait in that traffic to get around Austin. Is there any hope, any other solution for solving major transportation, at least that major transportation issue for the state? So one of the biggest problems that we have is is Texas has 200,000 lane miles of roads that we maintain and preserve. And so think of them as vertical skyscrapers. You've got to keep maintaining them and rebuilding them. And the budget for maintaining and building the existing lane miles almost takes up the majority of all the money that we have. And so we have very little money uh, in, in perspective for new projects. And when you add new projects, well, you add more lane miles to preserve and maintain. We've already passed the tipping point. And so uh, Texas has to change the way we fund transportation. And so one of the things that uh, I'm moving forward with Senator Nichols, who's the chairman of Senate Transportation, is using a formula called vehicle lane miles traveled. That means you pay for what you use. And so last session, I passed a study uh, that we've just recently got the reports as to pavement consumption. So your car eats up the road and uh, a fully loaded semi consumes the road at 10,000 times the rate that your car does. But they don't pay for that. And we don't pay for what they're hauling. So ultimately, your Apple should cost more, your, your TV should cost more, because it's, we're subsidizing transportation in Texas for the consumer. And we can't afford to keep doing it. So the, the analysis or the, the solution is we should pay for the c- pavement that we consume, whether it's the end user or the actual consumer vehicle. And so moving forward, the easiest path is to charge uh, commercial vehicles, because there's no expectation of privacy in commercial traffic, and that would change the formula and probably advance us a great deal on how we fund transportation. We're underfunding transportation to the tune of $7 billion a year, conservatively. Terry Canales, our state representative from Edinburgh. We're looking at the start of another Texas lawmaker session, Texas legislative session, starting up this week. Power grid issues in Texas team, <laughs> right? What do you expect will, will be done this legislative session? So, contrary to popular belief, we did not fix the grid last session. We did some good work um, and after the winter storm, but more needs to be done. Uh, we have to ensure our state's ready for extreme weather, but also the future of Texas. So, I, I say this because I've got little ones at home. I've got a, an 11-year-old who would never dream of owning a combustion engine. So in the next five years, you've got an entire generation of children that will be driving, uh, and they're going to want electric vehicles, uh, regardless of there's a storm of electric vehicles coming. But we don't, if we can't keep the power on when it's cold, we sure as hell can't do it with a, with a whole bunch of electric vehicles. And you're also seeing commercial vehicles, big trucks. And so making sure the grid is not only reliable, but uh, preparing for the future and so uh, of electric vehicles and, and commer- electric commercial vehicles. And so those are big issues that we've got to solve. In addition to that, just kind of a sidestep is right now electric vehicles don't pay their fair share. Uh, there's no um, – so we're going to try and fix that this session because at the pump, they don't pay the gas tax. And that gas tax is one of the streams of revenue that pays for the roads. And so if they're not paying at the pump, they're not paying at all. Yeah, they and do. So one of the things- yeah, go ahead, Terry. Finish it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, they're getting a free ride. Yeah. Literally. I, I was going to say, when they go to a, a charging station somewhere, they do pay for that. Are you guys thinking about taxing that charge up? So right now, we're going to almost try to put a Band-Aid on it in the sense that it's going to be probably like a flat tax. 
But the reality is the flat tax is not equitable either because if you've got grandma that only drives back and forth to the, to the grocery store and you've got, you know, the guy that works for uh, home health that drives 38,000 miles a year, then paying the same thing is not fair. And so you go back to the issue that I talk about, vehicle lane miles travel, and, and that's going to probably, if we can get to it, we'd solve the problem. Everybody would be paying their fair share from consumer to commercial vehicles. But right now, there's going to be, we're, going to, we're hoping we can get a Band-Aid on this thing because it's, it's hurting us. You mentioned the little ones. We need some work, desperately need some work to be done in the state foster care system. What do you see happening there? You know, we've got huge problems in the state foster care system. In addition to uh, the juvenile system in Texas is, is atrocious. Uh, it's, we've got from the uh, TJJD, which is the Juvenile Justice Department, uh, they are an agency in crisis. And when you look at uh, CPS and, and our foster care system, uh, there's so much work that needs to be done. Me and you couldn't cover it in the amount in the amount of time we're talking but what i will tell you is there's a, a lot of people that are looking at it and we're trying to make some big changes uh, we've made some changes to to several of the agencies but so much work needs to be done to protect the most vulnerable of us which is our children and of course all that requires money and <laughs> all day yeah, long i just uh, it, it almost it almost would seem that it requires a special session to try to iron out a lot of these wrinkles um, any chance that leadership up in austin will dedicate what is needed to because we're we're creating future problems by turning out all these kids in you know juvie and the foster care system that's that's all messed up. We're just creating future problems for the state. You're absolutely right, and, and I wanted to kind of touch base on a, a kind of sidestep. You asked what my priorities are. So um, you know, contrary to popular belief, uh, Democrats really want a strong border, and, and we appreciate border security. But one of the things that we're realizing in Hidalgo County is that our jail is extremely overcrowded. And part of that, it, a large part of that, is because of the increased amount of law enforcement in the Rio Grande Valley. So the state has funded a bunch of money for border security, which is great. But they haven't funded any money for the unfunded mandate, which is filling our jail and filling our court system. So uh, this session, it's important for me and, and our whole delegation to go up there and tell the legislature, you've given us an unfunded mandate for our jails and our court systems. Great. Yeah. You've got border security, but you've got to do the whole golf swing. You've got to give us the rest of the money for the whole system. All right. Best of luck this session, Terry, and please keep us informed on what's taking place up in Austin. Next Anytime, my friend. Thank you, Terry. Terry Canales from Edinburgh, our state representative. Next legislative session begins this week up in Austin. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710 KURB and all our sister stations at Radio United. 
crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. The director of the Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville, Ed Campidano, joining us. Chief, welcome back to KURV. Let's do a, a review of 2022 before we talk LNG, because I know the prospects of LNG improved significantly the past several days. So, but let's do a quick review. Some of the highlights for 2022 in some of the imports and exports. What do you see, Chief? Well, I would say the biggest highlight for us would have been the announcement of the deepening and you know the uh, modification of the Brownsville Ship Channel. I mean, those kinds of projects are very difficult to get done. Very few of them are done annually in the United States. And so we've been working on that project a long, long time. So that that's got to be the highlight uh, of, uh, of the year for, for us. All right. But, you know, we also had, you know, numerous things occurred to us this past year that are all uh, good news stories. Uh, of course, we had a, a record-breaking year in in 21, and it looks like 22 is going to be comparable, if not surpass it. So that's good news. Um, we had obviously Governor Abbott visited the port for uh, an economic roundtable in in March of, of last year. Uh, that was important. That was his first visit. Uh, it was successful. Had a quite a few industry representatives and good conversation. Certainly, he's aware of the importance of the port to the Rio Grande Valley and uh, to the state of Texas and its role in the uh, the nation as well. So that's a plus for us. Uh, Keppel Amphels completed uh, the Pesha Hawaii vessel, uh, the MV George III, and delivered it. Uh, in fact, in August, it made its maiden voyage in the Jones Act trade from Honolulu to Long Beach and in Oakland, California. Most importantly, it was powered with uh, liquid natural gas first vessel to be done so in in the um, in the Pesha fleet so that was a big plus for us uh, we had of course the completion of the Southport connector you know that was a big project a lot of collaboration between the state uh, the county the regional mobility authority the MPO uh, the port and, and that project got completed the Southport connector uh, we saw the Kitty Hawk arrive made made its final voyage to the port and in, in May of uh, end of May of, of last year, uh, I think this will be the sixth of the conventional aircraft carriers that have been um, recycled by the Navy, and the last one uh, will actually be arriving sometime this quarter, which will be the JFK. Uh, we also had, uh, uh, of course, uh, uh, next decade continues to make strides. Uh, they had quite a few announcements last year as it relates to uh, subscribing or really selling out their first two trains, which they completed in 2022. And, and we hope to see a uh, uh, successful completion of, of, of those efforts uh, uh, actually this quarter. So all in all, uh, our foreign trade zone uh, was ranked number two in the nation for the value of exported commodities uh, with over $5 billion in value. So, I mean, we had quite a good year. Uh, I have to say that, uh, you know, we keep making progress and uh, that's exciting. Uh, our railroad, uh, let, let's not uh, forget the BRG. Uh, they had another record year uh, exceeding 72,000 loaded car moves. You know, they've been growing for the last three or four years at a clip about 20%. So, I mean, that's just means that a lot of that business, a lot of activity in the Rio Grande Valley. And that's, that's important cross-border trade. 
Ed Campirano is chief of the Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville. You touched on Next Decade a bit. Tell me a bit more about the threshold that Next Decade, uh, folks that are prospecting setting up LNG uh, export facilities at the at the port, because uh, they're wheeling and dealing, they're signing contracts, they're, they're picking up customers, and have they crossed the threshold necessary for us to say, yeah, here here they come, uh, they're, they're about to announce yeah, final. Yeah. yeah, well, I can tell you, yes, they, the first two trains are fully subscribed. In fact, they've exceeded the capacity for those two and working on subscribing what is called the third train. Uh, I think that, um, you know, they are, have been uh, very active. Uh, they're telling us that uh, they hope to be able to um, do that uh, this quarter and yeah, perhaps as early as this month. So uh, we know they're getting close. We know Bechtel is on site, uh, the contractor that's going to be building the facility. Uh, they're ready to uh, begin, you know, mobilization of of, of people and, and equipment. So, I mean, all the indications uh, at the moment, uh, all, uh, all are pointing in the right direction. So uh, we, we do believe that uh, uh, FID is eminent, and we hope it's sooner than FID. later, uh, meaning yeah. this month. But uh, they're making significant strides in, in, in reaching their goal of subscribing the first three trains. And sure. That means that uh, roughly um, – half of the project would be completed, uh, will be started in the first phase, and the balance of the completion uh, would be uh, ongoing as business uh, uh, continues as they go forward in, 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 in the future. So uh, yeah, this, is, this, is a, this is a huge, huge boon to the Rio Grande Valley. Billions of dollars, right? Private sector, yeah, investment, billions of dollars in this area, construction, and then the permanent uh, presence of export of LNG, a transformative event has been I've been mentioning for the longest time. Now I keep mentioning uh, in in the tidbits and facts that come from the port uh, that forty some odd thousand acres at the port that are available to receive tenants and, and expand business. Do you think the arrival of the LNG nodes? You think yeah. uh, their yeah. presence will help yeah. fill in? Many of those well, I will tell yeah, I will tell you this. We are a large landowning public port authority. In fact, we're the largest landowning public port in the United States with the forty thousand plus acres. However, uh, it, it needs to be clear: not all that forty thousand acres is going to be developed. That does not mean it does not have any value. It has significant value to the port. A lot of that uh, simply will not be developed because of the environmental sensitivity of, of, of those uh, geographic features that are within the 40,000 acres. However, they, they help uh, maintain uh, an insular um, uh, ability. Uh, we won't see, like you see in other parts of the country, where you begin to see encroachment of development uh, with industry. Uh, so this is a, a wonderful buffer to help uh, um, not get into that problem. You know, secondly, uh, this a lot of this land is valuable for mitigation as far as environmental um, um, considerations. So, will it be? Uh, it'll be there. It'll be available for leveraging for construction where construction can occur within the port. But nonetheless, uh, I think history will tell you on projects like this is, you know, the first one brings the second, the second brings the third. Plus, there's a lot of ancillary services that are necessary to support these operations. So. Uh, we have seen and we will continue to see a lot of interest, whether it's small business in the Rio Grande Valley or other businesses that are necessary uh, to locate in proximity to these projects because they have to support those operations. So, yes, we'll begin to see more and more 
uh, development as it relates to uh, these uh, companies locating here, perhaps not to the scale of these companies, but nonetheless, it does mean investment, it does mean jobs, and uh, it, it, it's it's good for the region. All right. I got about 30 seconds left, Chief. Just real quick. With all the steel roll slab coming in at the Brownsville port, headed to northern Mexico for the industrial northern Mexico, and the Maquila's there, usually a leading indicator of recession, whether they slow down or not. Can, do you see any slowdown in manufacturing in northern Mexico? Real quick. Well, I'll tell you what we see with the Pesqueria project, which is where the steel, steel slab is growing. You know, the forecast going forward is growth. It's not, uh, we don't see it slowing down. Wow. Uh, we've seen that for the last three years. We'll see it going forward, and all indications are they're, they're continuing to grow okay. and, and be a major supplier to the industry right. in Mexico. Thank you, Chief. Ed Campinano, Thank he's you. director of the Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville. Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. We mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. A reminder to our working people in the audience, Texas lawmakers meet every two years. So for the next uh, three, four months at committees and all that legislative session, they're going to have to figure out how to spend your tax money over the next two years in Texas. Legislative session up and running today, Tuesday. They will gavel and start. Let's go to Mid-Valley, our state representative, Armando Mando Martinez. We lovingly refer to him as Iron Man. He was in the news some years back. <laughs> New Year's <laughs> celebrations. Some idiot out there somewhere shooting up in the air, shooting a pistol, right? Bullet comes out, hits him, poop, right on the head. Oh, man, he survived it. Thank you, Jesus. So, How you doing, Mando? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me this morning, and always a pleasure. Yes, sir. Okay, from your perspective, Mando, let's review uh, the committee assignments you had two years ago, and maybe some of uh, maybe you'll re-up that, or talk to me about some of the the things that you're passionate about, items you're passionate about that you'd like to see some work done this legislative session. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I've been on uh, transportation and culture, recreation, tourism, two uh, very good committees that I'm very pleased with. And uh, I've been on them several sessions. You know, I've uh, asked for those. And uh, the good thing with seniority is that uh, you have a seniority pick on where you want to be and where you want to be placed. And having a good relationship with the Speaker of the House and and uh, members, I think that uh, really speaks volumes. Uh, I think some of the things that we're real passionate about, especially this uh, legislative session, is going to be uh, drainage and, uh, and and flood mitigation, especially for the Rio Grande Valley and, and the Mid-Valley, because as you know, uh, we've had you know several issues with rain, and we're going to try and, and continue. I know our county commissioner and, uh, and local officials have done a lot of their part in utilizing funding for that, but we're going to try and obtain some more funding uh, in order to address those issues. And when it comes to transportation, I think... Uh, 
ports are, are a big uh, issue for us and, uh, and our transportation system. Make sure that we have a, a very solid transportation system and continue to bring funding. Over the years that I've been in transportation, we've brought over $800 million uh, to the Rio Grande Valley uh, for transportation. And uh, I think we can see a lot of the development and the improvements that we've done over the years since I've been there and uh, looking forward to, to many more. With that comes economic growth and, and opportunity and uh, business for the Valley. So I think it's great. But with that, we need to have a very healthy and educated workforce. Yeah. So uh, education is a big thing for us as well. Armando Mando Martinez is our state representative from the Mid-Valley, Westlaco area specifically. And we've got another legislative session up and running in Austin. Okay, Mondo, uh, let's talk about, you mentioned drainage, which is a very important issue. Westlaco, especially in that precinct, Mid-Valley, Hidalgo County uh, precinct. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but ballpark figure. I recall having conversations about this with one of our county commissioners. Ballpark figure, what is the price tag on doing the complete work of flood mitigation, drainage, Westlaco area, Mid-Valley, Delta... That area that always floods when we get a nasty, heavy rain, and we have so much work to do. Maso Menos, what's the ballpark figure? How much of that can the state provide uh, soon, maybe over the next several years? Right. We're, we're looking at uh, providing at least 15 to $20 million for certain projects uh, in the Mid-Valley that have been identified by uh, our county commissioner and uh, the drainage district. I think the county as a whole uh, has various projects that they have in mind. So uh, being that the, the county already has skin in the game, they've already made a lot of improvements and have provided a lot of the funding for those projects. Uh, the percentage of what the, the, the state would, you know, bring in uh, essentially uh, through, through TxDOT, through improvements, uh, through some of the drainage projects that TxDOT has when improving their roadways, uh, we, we think about maybe 15 to $20 million uh, throughout the biennium. And then uh, being every every two years, and then the following two years, we'll see where we're at and request more for uh, for that time period. Mando Martinez, our state representative from Westlaco, our guest as we fire up another legislative session. They meet every two years up in Austin. You mentioned education and how our workforce needs to be educated. It's going to help us with economic development. We've got kids ready to go and ready to do stuff. We can bring those companies down here. But on another education issue, which is funding and the kick to the teeth, which was COVID and all the kids, all the little butts not in those desks and all the money that was lost related to all that. Uh, let me give you a, a topic, a conversation recently with Edinburgh CISD leadership out there. They were saying that we need to approach education funding in Texas from from a different angle. Let's say, let's base it on enrollment, the number of kids that are enrolled to attend the school district at the X date at the beginning of the year versus daily attendance. Do you see that maybe getting some legs up in Austin? What would you say? So school districts, they plan and budget uh, based on the number of students enrolled. So this is how school districts uh, know how many teachers to hire uh, as every student has to be assigned to the classrooms and the teachers. So, yep. you know, changing public education funding from daily attendance to average enrollment would benefit a lot of our disadvantaged school districts with low-income students and more because of the medical and health disparities as a as well as the lack of transportation so shifting this it would create an additional funding for the school district because when a student misses 
let's say, two weeks uh, of instruction, they're withdrawn. So thus lowering the average enrollment. So early discussion, you know, they, reflects with school districts, and, and uh, a, lot, a lot of our school districts here support that type of legislation. So I think it would be a benefit for them. Um, of course, we know it's nonpartisan, and a lot of our rural Republicans have supported uh, this. It was introduced last session as well. And we know that it's an incentive to get students back into the classroom, as we know teachers and campuses are graded upon student performance, regardless of their attendance. You were involved in tourism issues for Texas, and of course, here in the Valley, we've got our own products that we can provide for tourism. And I suspect you'll likely be part of the Valley Partnership, the Rio Grande Valley a chamber tour of lawmakers as they bring in people from out of the state. What do you think Austin can do, should do, either governor's office or lawmakers should allocate when it comes to promoting South Texas tourism and some of the gems that we have down here? What, what would you try to convince them to provide some support for? Right. Well, I, I think a lot of uh, the support that we need to uh, provide is, uh, is healthcare and education. You know, we, uh, you know, one of the big big drivers down in the valley is the fact that a lot of people, as you well know, uh, when I was a flight medic, is we would transport a lot of people out of the valley to go seek, uh, you know, alternative levels of care uh, because we didn't have that. And now we have that, and we need to continue to support that down in the Rio Grande Valley. We have a medical school. We have all different types of specialties that we didn't have in the past. So I think we need to continue to do that. As we do that, a lot more people are attracted to the valley, uh, along with tourism. I think we need to make sure that people understand how beautiful the valley is uh, instead of, you know, pointing on negatives. I think we have, you know, a great system, a great economy. A lot of our, you know, imports that are coming uh, through our Texas-Mexico border, as I've always said, if you've had an avocado on Super Bowl Sunday anywhere in the United States, it probably came through the the far bridge, you know, and a lot of people are able to to enjoy that. So when you think about the vibrance of the valley, you think about the beauty of the valley, we need to invest in, in a lot of our infrastructure projects, our healthcare system, and our education system so that we can continue to grow and become much more productive. Healthcare has grown so much in the area as compared to when Mondo, Mondo Martinez, our state lawmaker from Westaco, my guest right now, when he said moments back, said to me, as you know, on the issue of health care, you don't know, it, it's, this is a story worth repeating. Twenty some odd years ago, Mondo was a flight medic. And uh, I, I guess you work with emergency services and, and ambulances. And that day you became a flight medic, right, Mondo, the day that I met you? Right, right. I was, yeah. I was a flight medic uh, that day, yes, sir. My dad had... Um, he got my dad got real sick and needed to be flown to Houston. That's where I met Mondo on that flight, and he stabilized my dad. And the nurse that went with him got he got sick, got queasy midair flying. He was tending to the nurse and tending to my dad, and he and I were talking all sorts of politics and and issues. Back then, he he wanted to run for state lawmaker. Tony Samad years ago. That's how long he's been. Up in Austin, but the medical industry has changed so much down here with DHR and uh, you know folks from you know King of Prussia, other corporate offices. They sending money and investing. In fact, recently uh, with South Texas healthcare system going to Trauma One, right? Uh, we now have two Trauma One. We got DHR and South Texas Health System. That's nowhere, nowhere else in the state do we have something like that. So it's almost like we like we become almost become 
Well, at least regionally, we've become a destination point when it comes to healthcare. That helps, I think, with winter Texan tourism, Mondo, where folks can come down here from up, uh, up, up there, come down here and know that they're going to be taken care of. I think winter Texan tourism is something we can promote because we've seen those numbers go down a little bit. I think SpaceX is a big, big driver with all the rockets. Uh, Lord, Lord willing, launching here pretty soon. Of course, the island of nature tourism, all the bed and breakfast in the area. I, I wish you success in, in selling the region uh, to lawmakers. Anything else you want to share with us, Mondo, as, uh, as I let you go? Can we, no, just, yeah. I mean, I just want to thank you for your service. I know you've always been a good friend and, and a wonderful person and, uh, you know, great memories. And, uh, you know, we I think we have our heart in the right place. I think our heart is to represent the Valley uh, to the highest degree and the Amen. highest level and continue to, to support uh, educational opportunities. You know, in closing, I just want to say this. Many times they've asked me what my definition of success is. And uh, I say my definition of success is education. But the only way that you can provide uh, an education is by providing opportunity to our students to get there. And uh, now yes, that we have a medical school, we have engineering programs, we have a, a great university and education system down here, you know, I think it's time for a law school as well so that our students, uh, the brightest students that we have, who usually leave the Valley, can stay in the Valley and uh, provide that professional uh, service down there. So with that, I want to thank everybody. May God bless you. May God bless you. Bless you, brother. And let's uh, have another great session. Thank you, Mando. Armando Mando Martinez, our state representative from Westlaco. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Para Mi app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710 KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. We can now remove the word interim from the title of our following guest, a friend of the station, always a phone call away, giving us updates on our city of Brownsville. It is now our city manager, Helen Ramirez, joining us on KURV. Congratulations to the appointment uh, to this post. So as we head into 2023, Helen, major projects that you're looking forward to tackling this year. Tell me about it. I think, first of all, um, you know, I, it's an honor to be the city manager for the city of Brownsville, the largest city in the Rio Grande Valley, the county seat, and it really was a process that involved over 30 candidates. So and it was a very professional process. So I really um, respect, you know, the mayor and commission for, for that process and being selected and working alongside over 1,200 employees in the city. So very excited about that. But one of our major projects that we've already started permitting um, this month is our BTX fiber project. That's 600 miles of fiber through different six rings. And um, 
because it's really, uh, we opened up a building already in Brownsville and we already have the Fiverr ready to go. So we're very excited about, this is one of the most game changing projects that we will be implementing this year. Um, the agreements were signed last year through a public-private partnership through the community. So very excited about that. Also, the building out of the World Trade Center at the North, uh, the, um, our, the Greater Brownsville Center Corporation Industrial Park, the 729-acre park. Uh, they've also sold many of their lots to companies or spec industrial buildings at their North Brownsville, Brownsville Industrial Park. In fact, we had a groundbreaking there um, in December. And, um, you know, the re revitalization of the mall, um, as you know, main mm -hmm. event opened up during the summer, and it is the highest grossing main event in the nation. Good. Not only did it, it exceed uh, records when in soft opening, its first week, its month, and, and just since then, it's actually, it's incredible because we're not the largest. The largest is in Austin, Texas. So really to see that we are just high grossing, it just demonstrates how strong our marketplace is. Um, in addition, uh, so there will be new announcements for another restaurant there, right, right there. So Sunrise Mall is, is experienced a resurgence as well as downtown Brownsville. There's, there's been new restaurants opening up like Morning Glory and Bocarona. I invite you to, um, come to the one, one of the most historic downtown from the state of Texas. Um, we opened up our West Rail Trail, so we have trails and quality of life. Our Zoom master plan, so get ready for a zip line that you'll be able to zip along right. uh, the zoo and really even see Matamoros from that zip line to our public uh, permanent market, which is the Cannery Project. So I love the fact that it's, you know, from quality of life projects to BTX Fiber, to new companies, we have continuing to see Cosmic Shielding Corporation work with on research and development with UTRTV, uh, Space Channel Studio with Texas Southwest College, and just SpaceX keeps growing not only at Starbase, but also within our city limits at our airport, which is our future spaceport. So it's good to see all those different projects come to fruition. Helen Ramirez is now the city manager for our city of Brownsville. Now, I know your passion is economic development. You have a lot of expertise and lots of connection when it comes to economic development. But as city manager, having to work with uh, folks that are in finance, uh, city engineers, the unsexy stuff of all, but the the hard work, the roads, the potholes, the drainage, and all that. Uh, working with, with folks developing subdivisions and uh, the hammers flying uh, across town. Uh, tell me about some of the major projects you're looking forward to to ironing out with City Hall uh, this year when it comes to infrastructure within the city of of Brownsville. Sure, I think Highway 77 is more very important. Um, we're in the design phase, and that is. You know, it flanks many of our hotels, um, and it, it is, it has, uh, it's kind of, there is a lot of potholes on there. So some of the major road improvements and reconstruction projects are important through our city. Um, you know, and also being open and transparent to the public, letting them know that these uh, projects are, are moving forward. Um, and uh, we know we have new uh, park areas and redeveloped park areas. Um, just along the cannery area and linear park. So just more services for them. 
And, and in terms of our employees, you know, none of this is possible without them. So the organizational culture, you know, the, just, you know, our police department had its first marathon that they brought the community and nonprofits together. And that's, that's what I say. A city is not run just by the city employees. I mean, we count on many of our nonprofits, our universities, our Texas Falls College to really take us to the next level. Um, I enjoy the day-to-day, -day, uh, you know, communication and collaboration with many of our community partners, uh, with the county, um, with, with just many different uh, governmental institutions. So we are very blessed to have good relationships with them and also with RGB NPO, Loop, uh, Loop 4, the $100 million uh, road project that helps go through veter connect veteran bridge, uh, you know, next to the airport through the Fort of Brownsville. I mean, that's a game changing also project for our international border. So, you know, those types of things. I, I love transportation. I think we always, one of the things that we aspire to do is be a 15 minute city. And what that means is that you have different types of ways to get to work. That our, our clusters of employment are not only in one area. Right, that our clusters of employment are throughout different districts at the city. And in, that includes mom and pop, you know, medium sized businesses and large businesses, which can be whether the LNG comes in, which would be 5,000 uh, workers at one point, you know, to SpaceX, you know, over 2,000 mm -hmm. workers, you know, but also to existing companies. We're going to make a, an important announcement with, next week regarding a current company that is going going to announce a substantial expansion. So it's not only new companies coming in, but really how are we taking care of it? How are our existing companies growing? And how do we handle traffic patterns between new construction and what's already here? So and the conclusion of our mobility plan will be this year. And that's going to be very our first transportation plan in the city of, of uh, Brownsville that tells us how should we be succeed and widening roads and expanding new roads in the city. So I'm very excited about it's that. It's going to take a lot of brainstorming. I'm glad you mentioned LNG because I was going to go there with you. Uh, you meant, and thank you for saying, 5,000 workers at the peak as far as construction, but then there's the multiplier and suppliers and others. Mm -hmm. Where do we put them? LNG is on the way, mm -hmm. and we got thousands of people that we're going to need to house and put in hotels and uh, where do we put them? We're going to have to put them all across the valley in order to construct the LNG near the port. Absolutely, I think this is, this is a job creator for the people throughout the valley. An example is SpaceX. While the, while it has almost two thousand people at Starbase, it employs six thousand people without throughout the RGB. Okay, what I would say is that we're looking at um, new ways of transporting employees through through park and rides and bus rapid transit mm -hmm. to these employment hubs and centers. So we are looking at transportation patterns and plans prior to the construction. That's what we're working on now. That's why our transportation plan and our intelligent transportation systems okay. with regard to um, smart lights and smart, those are so important. Also housing, we, we did an overhaul of our unified development code for the first time in, in it, our history. What are the, the temporary and permanent types of housing that we're allowing, right? Not every, we don't want these work camps. We want, you know, if it has to be temporary housing, that's fine, but let's make it with a certain type of quality 
where we can still be proud of and people can Gen still 4. have a quality yeah. environment to live. And I would imagine it's going to take a lot of coordination with other valleys, cities, and, and also uh, the county to bring that uh, to fruition. Congratulations again, Helen. Looking forward to future conversations on and all this future success for our community. That's Helen Ramirez, our city manager for Brownsville. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Month of January, at the end of January, guess what to do? You got to pay property taxes. And if you take a look at the summary for some here in South Texas on that tax bill, you'll notice there's a bill for a local ISD, the school district that you're near, uh, that's near you. And also, for some of y'all, you'll see a tax for South Texas ISD. we got leadership in Edinburgh schools that would like lawmakers to take another look at this for several reasons. So let me bring aboard Mike Farias, is president of the school board over at Edinburgh Consolidated Independent School District. Dr. Mario Salinas is the superintendent. Dr. Mario, let's get some history on this and tell me about South Texas ISD and what you would like lawmakers to address in this legislative session. Okay, uh, uh, Sergio, and I'm going to speak uh, in plain speak so that people can, can understand. I'm going to avoid, try to avoid the, 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 the technical language that is used in our business. So anyway, South Texas ISD was born in 1963 to serve the needs of the children with disabilities because 60 years ago, uh, these children with disabilities, uh, there was no place in, the, in our independent school districts in, uh, for these types of children. If, if you had a child with disabilities, as you do, I, I think, uh, there's no place in the independent school district 60 years ago. Uh, so this, this uh, school district was created to serve the needs of the children with disabilities. Fast forward 60 years, South Texas ISD no, no longer uh, has, has abandoned the mission. Um, and the, 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 for example, I've, I've heard you um, in the past commenting you have a, a son with disabilities, correct? Yes, sir. A special needs. Um, not too disabled, yeah, but yeah, needs. has special needs, medical special needs. needs. Yeah, special if, medical if needs. You, if you, uh, as a father, uh, wanted to send your child to South Texas ISD, as many parents do, uh, your child with special needs cannot go, cannot attend that school full time. They they can attend half 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 day if if they if they're accepted. So they've abandoned the mission of educating children with disabilities altogether. Now they um, create they were they were created on on uh, on the backs of a of state state dollars on top of uh, a five cent tax from the local communities in any, all property owners in Hidalgo, uh, Hidalgo, Willis, and Cameron. You you pay five cents, yep. uh, you, so do I. Mm-hmm. And any other property owner in Hidalgo County, in Cameron County, and Willis County. Um, the, the contention that we have, Sergio, 
Two, two, con two contentions. Number one, we don't even know if this is a legal tax. Uh, we don't believe it was border approved, but uh, the, the equity center in Texas is looking into that. That's number one. Number two, um, the, the children that go to these schools, Sergio, to South Texas ISD, uh, they're receiving funding, and you and I have talked about funding for, for a long, for a year. We always talk about funding to uh, our schools. We're funded by the, by, by the state uh, and by local tax dollars by the number of children that attend our schools. In Edinburgh, CISD, uh, a, a child uh, receives from state and, and local taxes a total of $7,400 for the child attending Edinburgh school. Okay. They say my son. My son, I have a student, a son in, in our system. We receive, for my son attending Edinburgh schools, $7,400. If I opted to, to uh, enroll my son at South Texas ISD, uh, my son would generate $12,600 of funding. We think that is discriminatory and it's not fair and it's not it's inequitable okay. when compared to, to the independent school district. And that is the same across the board. McAllen, Cherryland, Mission, all independent school districts. The other thing, Sergio, that I want to tell you is that the citizens of Hidalgo County, you and I, and every other property owner, we're the, o the only ones in the whole state of Texas, and, and Texas is the biggest as some countries, that get taxed by two independent school districts for the same service. In other words, we, in the whole state of Texas, the citizens of, H of Hidalgo County and Cameron and Willis, we're the only ones that pay two independent school district taxes. Okay. For the same service. All right. The South Texas ISD is not providing any services that, that we or McAllen or Cherryland or Mission or Brownfield do not already provide. All right. That's Dr. Mario Salinas, our superintendent for Edinburgh Schools. Let me segue over to Mike Farias. He's president yes. of the school board. Yes. Mike, for lawmakers to tackle anything, you need a sponsor. You need someone, someone to bring the issue up. Do you have anyone in Austin willing to talk about this, throw this to committee, and consider this uh, you know, for lawmakers to address up in Austin? Uh, yes. Um, we. I have uh, personally spoken to uh, Terry Canales and also to uh, Sergio Munoz. Now, the thing that we're asking our lawmakers to do is to give us, the people, an opportunity to voice our opinion. We're not necessarily looking for a lawmaker to go ahead and make a decision, but at least give the people an opportunity to go out and vote whether they want to go ahead and pay an additional nickel to South Texas ISD. Now, this isn't going to defund um, and get rid of South Texas ISD. Uh, this would just fall on the basis of making it equitable. South Texas ISD can use the same funding structure that all the other um, schools do, including the um, uh, IDEA, Vanguard. Yeah, the charter schools. Um, you know, so it isn't like we're going to uh, try to find a new way of paying them. No, it already does exist with the charters. So why don't they go ahead and use the same system as the charters do uh, to get reimbursed? We're asking our lawmakers to give us an opportunity to go out and vote our opinion. And where it falls, it falls. Okay.
We'll talk with the lawmakers, see if they give us uh, their opinions uh, here. You said Terry Canales and Sergio Munoz are the ones that might be bringing this up in the legislature, correct? Yes, those are the individuals that we've spoken to so far. And, um, again, we're just asking for them to give us, the taxpayer, a voice to go out and opportunity. Bringing up for a decision. Very well. Dr. Salinas, uh, that's Mike Farias, by the way, president of Edinburgh Schools. Dr. Salinas, before I let you go, there's another issue that you and I have talked about numerous times on my show, uh, 9 to 11, is the way schools are funded in Texas based on daily attendance uh, versus, right, versus total enrollment or the average enrollment for the school district. I've got about just uh, under a minute. If you could quickly explain to me uh, uh, the issue and if it might get addressed, uh, get a hearing up in Austin as well. It, it's a priority for for all school districts in the state of Texas, uh, Sergio, because of the because of pandemic. Uh, we get paid, yeah, we get paid seven thousand seven thousand four hundred per per child, but they need to be in school every single day. And you know that's been a, a, a hassle for us. We we don't get paid by the number of children in our school district. We get paid by the by the number of days that these children attend. Thereby, in totality, in Texas, public school districts lose millions, probably billions of dollars as a result of the funding structure of attendance versus enrollment. And it likely will be addressed by lawmakers up in Austin. It is. It's a top priority for public schools and our lobbyists and and the people that that represent us, yes. All right. Uh, For example, the attendance versus enrollment, Edinburgh as an example. Give me an example of what we're looking at. Uh, yes, enrollment versus uh, attendance. We're enrolled, we're enrolled at 34,000 uh, students, but we don't get funding for 44. Right now, as we speak, we're getting funded for for about uh, right under 31,000 because of the cumulative attendance issues Absences. that we have as a result of the pandemic issues that we're struggling with. Okay. Where would the money come in order to provide for all this if, every, all, if all school districts in Texas will be funded based on on uh, enrollment versus attendance. Sergio, the state of Texas already budgeted for, for, for enrollment. All the money they save goes back to their, their savings account. Okay, very well then. It's, it's already allocated. Dr. Salinas, thank you uh, for this update. Dr. Manu Salinas, superintendent of Edinburgh Schools, along with Mike Farias, president of the school board for, for Edinburgh. This is the only radio station in the Rio Grande Valley for the news and information you need to know. We are News Talk 710KURV. Discover our Facebook page, 710KURV, also Twitter. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and my email is sergio at kurv.com. Thank you for listening to News Talk 710KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Para Mi app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.